Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, weight gain. Maybe you think they're just part of getting older, but Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all connect to menopause. It's at the root of dozens of symptoms we experience, not just hot flashes. Midi clinicians are menopause experts offering safe, effective, FDA-approved solutions covered by insurance. 91% of Midi patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. Brain fog, insomnia, moodiness, achy joints, weight gain. Maybe you're thinking they're all just part of getting older, or that's what your doctor tells you. But Midi Health understands that for women over 40, they can all be connected. Hormonal changes that happen during perimenopause and menopause are at the root of dozens of symptoms women experience, not just hot flashes. Midi specializes in compassionate care for women in menopause. Their solutions are safe, effective, and FDA-approved. Plus, they're covered by insurance. A convenient telehealth visit with a MIDI clinician can be your first step to getting personalized care. They'll tailor a treatment plan for your symptoms and health history so you can get back to feeling great. 91% of MIDI patients get relief from symptoms within just two months. When your body changes, your care should too. Book your virtual visit today at joinmidi.com. That's joinmidi.com. I believe that everybody has a story, and I'm fascinated to hear them. So come with me as we take a walk down Fascination Street. Welcome back, Streetwalkers. This episode is with Michael Gibson, Jr. Michael is the host of the Avert Your Eyes podcast, which is an interview podcast that focuses on talent in and around the Dallas and Fort Worth area. His past guests include comedians, musicians, producers, actors, filmmakers, the gamut. In this episode, we talk about where Michael grew up and what brought him to Texas and what got him into filmmaking, because Michael also has a short film called Alora, which is making the festival circuit as we speak. Alora is a space-themed short film that is tearing up film festivals across the country, winning awards left and right. So enjoy, folks. This is my conversation with Michael Gibson Jr. Welcome to Fascination Street Podcast, Michael Gibson Jr. How you doing today, man? I'm doing great. I've got my tea and and I'm ready. Did you say tea? Yes. <laughs> Are you a proper Brit? Well, you know, I'm originally from Jamaica, and Jamaica was a British colony originally, but we were raised, my father always said, you know, always drink something hot for your stomach. And so I thought also for my voice this morning for a podcast interview, and I also have another interview that I'm going to interview somebody later on this afternoon. Oh, well done. Just a quick sidetrack. What does hot beverages do for your stomach? Um, I think it sort of settles it. You know, from all the, you know, mess from overnight and stuff. I'm not quite sure on the science, but it's always worked for me. That kind of makes sense. You know, especially the British people, they drink tea all the time and uh, they're the calmest people uh, around. <laughs> and then also, you know, when I guess it never happened in my house, but I hear, you know, oh, you can't sleep. You have an upset tummy. Have some warm milk, which to me sounds gross, but apparently it's a thing. <laughs> Yeah, I, as I've gotten older, I 
I have to put something in the milk, like hot chocolate or something. <laughs> Hell yeah. All right. So, Michael, you said you were uh, from Jamaica, born in Jamaica, but not raised in Jamaica, right? Correct. I was born there uh, way back in the early 80s, uh, was there for about nine months. And then uh, my dad came up to America as a teenager by way of New York. And then he ended up going down and he married my mom, had me, and then, you know, that he brought both of us up by way of Connecticut. And the joke in the family is that, you know, we were in Connecticut for, I guess, about eight months or something like that. And the joke in the family is that it snowed and my mom was like, "Uh uh-uh, and we've been in Texas ever since. That is hilarious. But you're in North Texas where it does snow. (laughs) Very little. Like, the snow that we get, like, quickly turns to ice or melts. Well, I'm from San Antonio, so the snow we get is brown. (laughs) (laughs) So what brought your dad to the United States? My grandmother. (laughs) I'm not sure exactly what what it was that made them decide to come up. Uh, I should probably ask that question, but thank goodness that they did. My dad was like one of six. Um, He was the youngest of the boys. He had, he had two brothers and three sisters and I need to count how many is on my mom's side. My mom has a huge family. And the funny thing with her family is that my mom is an identical twin. She had another set of identical twin sisters I want to say there's something like 10 or something of that, just just siblings in general. And then my grandmother on her side was not a twin, but uh, she had a set of twin sisters. And then I have three brothers and the youngest two are twins. So it's definitely in the water. So that means you're either going to have two kids, four kids. How many kids are you going to have? How many do you have? I currently don't. My girlfriend's got four kids right now but um i keep joking with her that we need to up that number to like 12 or something (laughs) well with your history that would not be a hard to do i'm imagining (laughs) she's probably terrified (laughs) she is that poor girl (laughs) oh you know i i had another guest from jamaica he's a friend of mine he lives in evanston wyoming which is about two hours outside of salt lake city he is a four-time Olympic Jamaican bobsledder. Wow. Yeah, super cool dude. Your grandmother or whatever is probably related to him, so. <laughs> you never know how everybody's related. It's it's so weird. I always just try to treat everybody as well as I can. Yeah, no kidding. <laughs> you never know how that'll come back on you. So I was just like, you know what, just, just spread love. I love it. One love, as they say. And they do. <laughs> so you... I guess got the hell out of Connecticut pretty quick. And then you've been in the Dallas Fort Worth area for your whole life. Yeah. For all my formative years, we came down here when I was about a year and a half. And so I'm uh, almost 38 now. So (laughs) you can do the math. Hold on. Let me do the math. Carry the one (laughs) divide by 11. So I guess you have spent, I guess the bulk of your career in um, media Yeah. In what capacity? I work for a local media company, been here 10 years, and I'm a a producer in the uh, community investment department. So basically, we're the charitable arm of the station. So 
if you see events that say like, you know, hey, you know, we're working for like a blood drive or there's a marathon or something, that's usually our department that's involved with with doing that. And so my boss typically seeks out those opportunities that align with the station's image and voice. And then I, you know, I, either in conjunction with her or we'll, you know, depending on the project, we'll switch off in writing it. And then I will, and sending the stuff out, the scripts to get voice approved from the client. And, and then I will edit and then do social media. Sometimes I'm lucky enough to go out and do event photography and, and on-site social media for some of these events as well. Now, you keep saying the station. Is that a radio station or a television station? It's a television station. I work for the uh, local NBC station down here in Dallas. Oh, cool. And how long have you been there? I've been here 10 years now. Oh, wow. Good Lord. So right out of college-ish? Not right out. <laughs> no, um, out of college, I, I've i had all sorts of crazy jobs. I did DJ for a radio station while I was in college for about two years, KNTU, which just celebrated their 50th birthday. Oh, Mazel tov. So it was an honor to be there for, I think it was about two years and then I decided to focus more on film because when I went to film school, my dream when I was going to school was I, I started doing comedy then, but I realized that like you could write the greatest thing in the world doesn't mean A, it'll get picked up the way that you envision it or B, that you'll have any sort of control. So I realized for myself personally, production was the way to go. So I ended up producing several films while I was in college, just short. Um, but the last one that I did, it got selected as one of the films to represent the University of North Texas in a tri-school film festival and was received pretty well. And right out of college, I got a job for an audiovisual company for a little bit. And so like a typical Jamaican fashion, we're always working. So I was hosting at Chili's. I was working in a warehouse, I think, and then was working for this audiovisual company. So I was juggling like three schedules, running all over town, as you can imagine. But for that audiovisual company, they would do anything as small as like the sort of corporate deals that you would see in hotels and stuff, like meetings and stuff, to as big as concerts. The biggest thing I got to work on was a banquet. I got to run the lights and tear down. And so I was like, you know, this is really cool, but, you know, could I get more work? And they're like, well, this is the nature of the business. We schedule y'all based on who hires us. And so I was like, I got it. So I ended up quitting everything and got a desk job for about two years, I think it was. And the gentleman that hired me, uh, well, sorry, not that hired me, that trained me at that job. I was working for an auto finance company. He found out he was Jamaican. We both went to UNT. You know, I told him where I, what I wanted to do. He's like, what did you want to do with that? I was like, well, my dream job was to like work for NBC or Saturday Night Live or to have my own deal. But NBC was my dream job. And he's like, that's funny. My mom works for NBC. Cut to several years later, the economy tanked, and I probably would have still been at that job had the economy not tanked. But I had, in that time, worked my way up and around in the company to where I was dealing with lease vehicles and I was selling them and I was competing with people that had been there for like 
decades and like, you know, was up there on the list and stuff. And I'm not really a sales guy. I was just very helpful. And so the economy tanks and that buddy of mine got let go and he's now working for the government, but he ended up calling me two weeks later. I was on, uh, I got let go myself and was on unemployment for, you know, about a week. And he calls me up and he's like, you know, uh, you remember when you said you wanted to work for NBC? I was like, yeah. He goes, uh, my mom works for NBC and she just lost her part-time person. Just know that the job is part-time and she's looking for somebody that can add, subtract, multiply, divide, has like a good head on their shoulder, can read and write well. It's not production. It's very clinical, you know, writing reports and, and that sort of stuff. I was like, dude, I would scrub toilets just to say I've worked at NBC. And so I ended up going in for the interview and she ended up telling me, you know, years down the line that it was pretty much between me and like two other people, but just my passion rang through in the interview. And so that's how I got the job and how I've been there for as long as I have. So you're still in that part-time job? <laughs> <laughs> no, I was there for about two years doing part-time. And then like I passed my boss one day and she, you know, so I was writing like FCC reports, you know, like all this stuff to help the station keep their license, you know, among other things. And so then she, you know, I passed her in the hallway and she had this look on her face, and I, you know, and she had this tape in her hand. Back then, you know, everybody was sending everything on beta tape now everything's like practically digital beta tape yeah how old are you <laughs> i'm 38 uh kids look up beta tape y'all are gonna have to look that up because y'all have no idea what this dude's talking about a beta tape i'm sorry carry on well the the quality of the beta tape is far superior than regular vhs or what have you and now you bring up vhs and then you know y'all need to look that up but anyway irregardless um, she had this look on her face and I was like, you know, what's wrong? And she's, you know, we worked, you know, we still do work very closely with the promotions department. And she's like, I have this PSA that came in, you know, from a third party client and I need to get this on the air. It's SD, you know, we're an HD channel. So I need some editing done. And I was like, what exactly is it that you, you need? And so she explained to me because it's SD, which, which I knew it only took up a certain percentage of the screen. So when we got third-party stuff like that, what they do is they add an HD background to it, which fills up the rest of the screen so that it doesn't just show up black on the edges. And so I was like, let me see. And so I took it to a computer and I was like, is this, is this what you're talking about? And she was like, oh my God, the kid can edit too. And like from then on, like she fought for me and I've been full-time eight years now. <laughs> Oh, kick ass. Well done. So where in that did you do stand up? It sort of goes back to high school a little bit. I was friends with this gentleman. Uh, his name is Paul. And uh, he was a year older than me in white. We used to call ourselves the twins because we used to date several of the same girls in high school. We would look at each other in the eye and know exactly what the other person was thinking. That whole sort of bit. And crack same sort of jokes at each other. We met actually in middle school in choir. And then when I got up to the high school, my freshman year, our choir had started off the year each year with this choir concert. It was called Sweet Night. So it was a talent show slash 
fundraiser to kick off the rest of the year. So people would bring in cakes and stuff and, you know, we'd cut it up and sell it and whatever and raise all this money to get us started for the rest of the year. The concerts were always on a Thursday, but that Monday I had an asthma attack, never had asthma before. And it kicked me out of school the whole week. I came back the next year, my sophomore year. So my friend's junior year, I was like, this is going to be my first year doing this talent show deal. So we have to do it up big. So we talked it over with the director. He let us emcee it. And so we did it as my friend, as Johnny Carson, a mutual friend of ours. He did a horrible Ed McMahon uh, impression. So we made up a character for him to be a sidekick filling in for Ed McMahon, who couldn't be there that night. And then I, the skinny little, you know, really tall beanpole of a Jamaican, I was Mike Tyson, who had taken out the real guest backstage and slowly throughout the whole night was trying to take over the whole show. And this was during the whole ear biting incident thing. And so we did the show. And the next day, Paul and I were waiting for classes to start. And we were talking in the hallway and this girl came up to us and she was like, you were the guys that did the show last night. And we were like, uh, yeah. And she goes, I have to tell you, my brother was having a horrible day yesterday, but then he came to y'all's show and y'all made his night. And to this day, I still feel that it's like one of the best compliments I've ever been paid. And so me and Paul were like, oh, maybe we have something here. And so we tried writing some more stuff. Didn't really work out quite as well. So then Paul graduated. He ended up going to community college. And so I was I had turned 18. It was a couple weeks before graduation because we were waiting to turn 18 and do the comedy circuit. And so he called me up before, right before I graduated. And he was like, dude, college sucks. I'm falling asleep in the car, missing classes. I'm going Navy. See ya. And he's been there ever since. He's married now. He's got two gorgeous girls but I still you know part of me still laments like you know the comedy duo and where we would have taken things so I ended up going to the University of North Texas and I saw that in the student newspaper there was a there was a show that was advertised but you know it was a comedy show and so I called up one of my friends and and me and her went and they advertised this show as like three hours but it was only like an hour and a half or so. And so the MC was like, open mic for anybody that wants to come up. And I was like, I think I'm going to go up there. And this girl went up. She got second place. I went up after her. I got third place, 150 bucks. And they invited me to come back out. And I didn't really have anything prepared. There were people that were just trying to be as dirty as possible. You have to know your audience, first of all, when you're doing comedy. It was a typical like college crowd, but dead center in the second row, there was this family. The dad wasn't there, but it was the mom, two, maybe high school, maybe college age boys. But then there was this little girl who couldn't have been any older than like eight, blonde hair, blue eyes. And like people would try to go blue, lock eyes with this little girl and they would choke. And so basically my set was, I went up there, I called out all those other comedians for, for them choking with this little girl. And I spent the rest of the time just playing to the little girl and doing all sorts of impressions that were, that were big, you know, at the time. And so I ended up getting invited to come back 
I didn't place it that second show. I actually wrote material. You, you should probably have me on another time to have you because I could tell you just about that experience. But they invited me to come back and they invited me to dinner afterwards after that second show, the guys that orchestrated everything. So I got to meet like this whole comedic community and stuff. And so they were like, you know, yeah, we're going to do more and blah, blah, blah. And the guy that set everything up switched schools and he gave reins to another girl. I must have hounded her the rest of the time that I was there and she never did anything. And so I was like, that's kind of where things sort of formulated for me that I wanted to write and do comedy and stuff. So I ended up with a, a degree in radio television film and I minored in English because I just knew that writing so ultimately important because that's the backbone of everything that you do. Makes sense. Hey, Streetwalkers. Here's a word from our sponsors. Guess what, Streetwalkers? The gear is here. A bunch of you have been asking for quite some time, and now finally it's here. Head over to FascinationStreetPod.com and check out the gear tab. There, you'll find all kinds of FSP items to tickle your fancy. T-shirts, coffee mugs, sticker packs, pins, buttons, coasters, and my personal favorite, for just five bucks you can get one of those weird little phone handle pop thingies. So head to FascinationStreetPod.com and show the world that you're proud to be a streetwalker. Special thanks to my good buddy Stephen O'Reilly from the Bar Star Podcast for these dope drum beats. Check out Steve's work at O'Reilly Drums on Instagram or search Stephen O'Reilly on YouTube. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Let's get back into it. And then when did you and how did you dip your toes into improv? Well, it was it was a little bit of that. But then, uh, you know, I was I was doing some comedy stuff, you know, some open mics and stuff off and on. But the girl that I was with, she was not very supportive of the creative side of me, even though she knew I was studying film and whatnot. So we ended up breaking up after like eight years or something like that together. And so then I don't remember how I found out, 
about four day weekend, but I ended up going there and checking them out. And I still have to take level five and graduate, but I've gone up through level four and got on several house troops and performed and stuff. And then have also taken some sketch shows and sketch writing and, and other workshops that they in the Dallas Comedy House have offered through the years. What is Four Day Weekend? They're the longest running show, I think, in the Southwest, I think is how they build themselves. But they're a comedy troupe, a, an improv comedy troupe based out of Fort Worth, they're, you know, which I wish that I had known about them when I was in high school, because that probably would have spearheaded, you know, stuff instead of all this circuitous track that I ended up taking. But your path is your path, as I always say. You shouldn't really, you, you should look to people as a possible guide, but not to ultimately compare yourself to like, oh, I have to do what they do by their time, because you don't know what other people go through behind the scenes and what they've done to get to where they are. But they are a comedy troupe. They're fantastic. I've been to so many stand-up comedy shows and, you know, I've written my own material and stuff and performed it. But when I started taking classes, they were like, you know, as a student, you should go and see like the main stage show. And it blew my mind that these guys just from nothing other than an audience suggestion would create this whole show for an hour or so. And to me, it was more magical and sometimes almost funnier than, than seeing stand-up. But like, it was because the audience was more invested in it than just a typical stand-up show where you go and see somebody's performance. The audience is a part, both in stand-up and improv, but they are part of the experience in improv. Right. And so do you still do that? Do you still go out and, and do improv every once in a while? Every once in a while, I'll pop in to the four days show. The main stage shows, they opened up a theater in Dallas. I don't remember how the shows are up, but typically the main stage shows are Fridays and Saturdays. But they also recently started doing the student shows and other things. And I think, I know in Fort Worth, those shows are Tuesday nights and they're free. I think they're about eight o'clock. And for an hour, you'll see, you know, two to three different, it's sort of morphed when, when I was doing it, it was like three improv troops, but now it's sort of morphed. And so they've gotten other people to come in and do stand up. There was this guy who... All he had was a bass guitar and he killed, he wrote like all this music and performed it. And I was like, oh my God, this guy is brilliant. And all he has is a bass guitar in his voice. Magic happens at those shows. Y'all should really check them out. Fourdayweekend.com. And that's in the Dallas-Fort Worth area. Yes. There's several other, other troops. There's, I, I mentioned Dallas Comedy House. Uh, I think all those shows are paid though. There's also another theater called Stomping Ground Comedy, and they're also putting out some some crazy shows out there, some very interesting stuff. And so there's all this local talent here. Support local. I'm always big on that. Support your musicians, you know, your artists, period. Comedians, what have you. Yes. Support everything local except for whatever your local football team is if you live in Dallas. <laughs> now, what exactly is a Lone Star Emmy? 
Well, there's the national Emmys. Those are typically the ones that people see on television, the nighttime ones. They also have other ones that they don't show that are national, like, you know, some of the different technical sort of stuff, you know, behind the scenes stuff. But the glitz and glamour sort of stuff they'll show on TV. But then they also started breaking up the nation into regions. And Texas is such a big state. We have our own chapter of the Emmys, and it's called the Lone Star Emmy. And I am lucky enough to be honored with two awards, being a part of some amazing project through the years. I've been nominated a couple of times, but uh, it, it, they say it's always an honor just to be nominated. And it really is. I, I'm so lucky to have been on some amazing crews that I was able to win two of those myself. Nice. Well done. Uh, you have a podcast called Avert Your Eyes, which interviews talented people in and around North Texas and probably all over the place. Yeah. Uh, everything from comedians to producers, musicians, actors, and filmmakers. What made you start Avert Your Eyes? Well, when I was doing improv, I was on a troupe at one point, and then our troupe ended up getting disbanded because our coach ended up moving to L.A. himself. And so everybody else had troops to fall back on, except for me. And so I sort of got tired of sitting on the sidelines and waiting for somebody to tap me on the shoulder and be like, okay, you can go play now. I wanted to have some more creative control in my life. And so I decided to go about making the podcast. Also, another reason was there was this girl that I met. Like I was, I was meeting all these crazy, really creative, interesting people while I was doing improv and hearing their stories, I was just blown away by some of them. And there was this girl, she sort of got on to me because she was like, you know, hey, like sort of that, that whole comparative thing. She was like, my life's not like yours. I'm not, you know, she's, she's a little bit older than me, but she was like, my life's not going, you know, uh, I wanted to be creative, you know, to make movies and stuff. And she's a very talented writer. Like I, I got to do a table read of one of her scripts a couple of years down the line. And that thing was gangbusters, gave her a couple pointers and stuff as some things that she should tweak in it. And uh, that particular script ended up winning some award or being like a runner up or something, getting some sort of nomination or something at another film festival itself. So like there, there's some really talented people out there. And so it was pretty much her that gave me the impetus that made me want to do the podcast just to show people that, you know, you don't know where people come from. You don't know what it took them to get to that point, because I've heard some really heartbreaking stories. Like one of the women that I ended up interviewing, she ended up telling this story about how growing up at a pretty young age, her mother died and her father gave her up. And then how she ended up taking that and she ended up creating her own media company and she's giving talks and stuff about her experience and stuff. And, and it's a really amazing story. You should definitely check that out. You started this podcast in, I don't know, August of 2016 or something like that. Yeah. That's a long time, man. What keeps you going? Cause you didn't stop. And if I know anything about podcasting, more than half of the people who start them don't last three years. How come you didn't quit? How come you keep going? What drives you about it? Again, people's stories, you, everybody has a story if you if you stop long enough to just listen. And that's part of the thing that I wanted to 
Sharon. And then part of it's also very selfish of me because I get to go and meet these interesting people and I get to bathe in their joy as they're telling their experience. It gets in me and it, and it drives me to get out there and, and just do more myself. Well, having listened to a decent handful of your episodes, during the episode, you can feel the passion and the interest and the curiosity. So everybody who's listening to this show, you will if you like my show, Fascination Street, you will like Avert Your Eyes. It's the same sort of thing, except for he does all kinds of stuff. He he hosts red carpets and he uh, MCs events and he he does all kinds of stuff that I don't do. Uh, with people that I don't talk to. So definitely give it a, a shot. Uh, it's available everywhere, right, Michael? Everywhere's podcasts are available. So not at Barnes & Noble, but other than that, everywhere <laughs> else. Now, Avert Your Eyes, where did you get the name? Well, I had a name picked out. And so I interviewed an improv friend of mine, a comedian, uh, for the very first episode. And then I went to post it. I went to, I think it was the website or something, but somebody had the podcast name picked out already on one of the platforms. So I was like, oh, shoot. Well, then let me change it. And I was, I was racking my brain for something to call it. And I had a virtualized sort of in my back pocket because I always wanted to work for Saturday Night Live or to do my own thing. And that was sort of the name that I had picked out for whatever my sketch variety, whatever show was going to be, if and when I decide to go that route. And so I was just like, ah, we'll just throw it out there and use it for now and see what happens. And I've been going over three years now. <laughs> well, that reminds me of, uh, I was going to name my podcast Avert Your Gaze, G-A-Y-S, but then Woke Culture happened and I couldn't do it. Just kidding. Can you tell us what your original name was going to be? Because it would be really funny if you were originally going to call your show like uh, the Joe Rogan podcast, but there was already one out there. <laughs> no, it was just something. I can't remember what it was at this point, but it was something about creatives. It was like the creatives corner. It, like it wasn't that, but it was something along those lines. You know, I was like, oh, this is going to be so cool. I'm going to talk to all these creative people. And then that name was already out there. So I wasn't as I wasn't as creative as I thought I was. <laughs> uh, tell me about Alora. And am I saying that right? Yes. Basically, my whole life has been an exercise in what would happen if I do X. And so then I would, you know, whether it was comedy, improv, podcasting, I would look at the steps to doing something and attempt something. And, you know, sometimes things wouldn't work out well, or, you know, maybe they would go gangbusters and, you know, you move forward. It's a learning process and, you know, you should always learn something, whether it works or doesn't. But I ended up meeting this gentleman at my job. His name is Nicholas Mothersbaugh. And he's actually the reason why I have my second Emmy 
I have to throw that out there and, and thank him for that. But when he got hired on in the promotions department at the station, I just knew that there was something about it that we got to talking and he wanted to make movies and stuff. And he talked about, you know, his inspirations were like Christopher Nolan and like all these other great filmmakers. And I was like, you know, okay. And so then, uh, you know, it was kind of over his shoulder seeing some of his, his work that he got to do. I was like, okay, this guy's really got something. We definitely need to work on something together you know, and find that vehicle. And so he ended up finding this film competition called Cinespace. And it was the city of Houston and NASA come together every year. I forget how many years they've been doing it. You should definitely check that out if you're interested in filmmaking. But they have this competition where your movie has to be 10 minutes or less. You have access to all this NASA footage for free. Film competition's free too. The NASA footage has to be 10% or more of the overall project. And so we got together and wrote this movie called Allura. Let me give you the synopsis of it. Uh, an Earth-like planet called A107A has been discovered within like the Goldilocks zone near a star. So the single mother is training for a mission of a lifetime to go explore that planet. But she has to make the choice between the dream of a lifetime of spaceflight and the love of her daughter that she would have to leave behind. And so it's all about choices. It's about love, family. And, uh, you know, like every movie, there's, there's a twist. But we've been doing gangbusters. We've been, we've been in several festivals around the country. So far, we've won awards at three. Like, all the festivals have been amazing experiences. But the festival in Reno, Nevada, which is called Scion, that we won at, we won the best space travel film. And... That festival is put together by NASA and the families of the Challenger shuttle, which exploded and stuff. But we got this beautiful letter um, and this medal from them. And like, it, it, it just it just goes to show you like, like how movies move people and stuff. And so like this, this film, uh, we're about to go international. We're going to be screening at the uh, Sci-Fi Fantasy Film Festival in Toronto on March 26th. So Toronto, folks, if you're uh, in the area, me and the director are planning on trying to get out there So and, and meet you lovely, lovely folks. So um, if you can get out there on uh, Thursday, March 6th, you can find out more information. The film doesn't have a website, but you can follow us on social media, Alora Film, A-L-O-R-A Film, on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter, and you can see the trailer and all this information. But aside from working and writing with Nick, we had three amazing, talented actresses, Nicole Fancher, Maddie Lee, and Lauren Brizendine. I, I could just gush about all three of them. Hey, Streetwalkers, here's a word from our sponsors. Hey, guys, if you like what I'm doing, Click the Amazon banner at the top of the homepage on FascinationStreetPod.com and do all of your shopping through Amazon. Once you click on it and it takes you to Amazon, you can bookmark it or add it to your favorites and you won't have to go to my site each time. It helps me keep the show going. And again, thanks for listening. Hey, are you interested in getting from A to B while sitting? At Detroit Bikes, we've got a new product that I think you're going to love. It's a bicycle. It's got two wheels. Hence the bike. And the sickle is uh, because it's a cycle that your wheel's going. 
Uh, so this is a product where you've got a seat. You are actually sitting well moving. Wow. And uh, you know, it's as easy as just pedaling, uh, pushing with your legs. So we think that uh, we think that customers are going to love this product, and uh, we hope you'll check it out at www.detroitbikes.com. www.detroitbikes.com. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Let's get back into it. When me and Nick like wrote this script, we were like, we've got something here. This is pretty good. I was blown away by all three women's performances. And then on top of that, when we gave the footage to a gentleman to do our special effects that he built a ship for us, which is, this just looks beautiful and did all this, you know, compositing and stuff his special effects just took it to a whole other level, which I'm still blown away every time I see it. <laughs> and what is this special effects genius's name? Jimmy Pies. Well done, Jimmy. <laughs> now, this short film will be screening at 7 p.m. local time on Thursday, March 26, 2020, during the Sci-Fi Fantasy Film Festival at the Carlton Cinemas in downtown Toronto. So everybody... Even if you're not in Toronto, if you're in New York, sneak across the border. It's the northern border. It's the easier one to do. <laughs> and you're going the right way to do it. So go check out that film. Thank you. Have you been to Toronto before? I have never been. Like I've been to Jamaica. I've been to several states in the U.S. And I've even been to Mexico. I went on a cruise twice, both times to Mexico, various points. But I have never been to the other border. So I'm, I'm excited to see the sights and meet the people and just experience everything that Toronto has to, uh, has to offer. All right. Well, one of the things that Toronto has to offer, well, first of all, you can't say Toronto. You have to say it like there's no first O. So it's just T-R-O-N-T-O, Toronto. 
<laughs> that, that's how you have to say it when you get there. But I was there once a couple of years ago, and the coolest thing about Toronto that nobody ever told me was that downtown, which is where you're going to be, there's an entire city underground. Cool. And what I mean by that is, I guess there's probably a subway or whatever, but there are restaurants, shops, tunnels. Like, there's an entire city underground I guess because it gets so damn cold most of the year. I don't know how long you're going to be there, but you should definitely take two hours or whatever and go have lunch, you know, underground and walk around the shops and stuff. It's really, really cool. Being from Texas, I, I've never seen anything like that before, and it was memorable to say the least. Yeah, I've seen documentaries about places and stuff like that, but I don't think I've ever really experienced something like that. It's really pretty dope. It's really, really pretty cool. Uh, so enjoy it. What do you hope to get out of this short film? And what I mean by that is you're sending it to film festivals all over, I guess, all over the world since you're going to Toronto. What can a short film do for you, if that makes any sense? Besides being a calling card and hopefully on to bigger and better things, what are you looking to achieve? For me personally, I just want to create that's that's all I I've ever wanted to do in my life is just create something. And it's it's so funny that we live in this world now where we're kind of fractured. You know, back in the day there used to be just three channels, but now there's television on the internet. There's great television and films being made in the studio track and outside of that. You know, I would love to make something for a studio down the line if the opportunity ever affords itself but you should never wait for the opportunity to just come you should always just be plugging along creating and make your own opportunities several people have asked me if this is going to be a sequel or we're going to do a feature for this one this was the story that we wanted to tell just period. But like one story that I have to tell you was from the set was that the little girl, Maddie Lee, who plays the daughter and uh, my friend and, and fellow comedian, Lauren Brizendine, who, uh, who plays her mom in the movie, there was a scene in the kitchen. And so I was working the camera and Nick was directing. And so the little girl is coloring at the table and Maddie would just be kind of like, la, 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 you know, like a little child obviously does, you know, at eight, nine and like looking around at the world and, and Nick would give her a direction. And he's like, do you got that? And she's like, yeah, la, la, la. And he's like, okay, action. And just like, as soon as he'd say action, she just turned this whole other person and just blow everybody away. But in this particular scene, she's coloring at the table. And I'm behind the camera and her parents and the people that let us into their home were all in the living room behind me. And so Nick pulled Maddie aside and gives her this direction. And he comes back in the room with her and he's like, okay, action. And so she's coloring. She shows this picture that she's drawing of the spaceship and this planet. And she's all, this is me, this is you, this is, you know, our spaceship but this is all a lie. And like, she slowly turns to her mom and she's all like, you said you loved me and you were going to be with me forever. And you were going to take me, but you lied to me. Why mommy? Why? And like all this stuff. And like the hairs on my arm just started raising. I got chills. I'm crying behind the camera. Everybody in the living room is crying. And I will tell you also with the movie, 
when we originally wrote the script, it had all this dialogue and stuff. But in the short time that we had to you know, make it and submit it for that film festival in Houston, we were like, the writing's not great, so let's take out all the dialogue and just tell it visually. So we did it, and we shot everything, and we gave everything to Jimmy to edit it. And we're like, you know, the deadline's in a couple of weeks. It's a heavy lift. Do you think you can get the special effects done in time? He's like, yeah, I can do it. And the deadline came and went. And so we're like, okay, great. So we shelved it. And then we came back to it a couple months, you know, after the fact. We found out that the festival was having another run. And so we took it off the shelf, looked at it. And Nick sort of edited himself into a corner. So he's like, it's sort of hanging. And I was like, okay, this is what we do. We give one line to one person and that's the only line that's spoken in the movie but the rest of the movie's silent and it punched up the ending like so much harder punches you in the gut and i think that's probably one of the things that saved our film but it's funny looking at the movie that everything's silent except for you know one spoken line at the end but somehow we end up telling a story within nine and a half minutes nice I think it's weird that in a space story, right at the end, Silent Bob comes in to deliver a speech. That's weird. <laughs> right. Now, Sling Blade started off as a short, so maybe this will turn into bigger and better things, and I can't wait to see it. Michael, before I let you go, is there anything that we didn't talk about or I didn't ask you about that you wanted to talk about? I think we're pretty good. You did a phenomenal job. Is there is there anything on your mind that you're dying to ask? <laughs> Yes. When are you bringing that short film to San Antonio? You know what? We've submitted a whole bunch of places. This is actually going to be the end of the uh, festival run. We're still waiting on like one or two other festivals to see if we get into those. But as the dates go, it looks like that March 26th is going to be the last one. So if you aren't able to make it out to that, just follow Allura Film on social and see what happens with the film after that. I know Nicholas Mothersbaugh and myself, we're both working on several projects apart from each other and together. I, uh, I can't speak on, on behalf of any of his projects right now. I'm currently working on another short right now that I'm in the process of writing. I've done all sorts of comedy sketches and stuff, and I'm always interested in not any particular genre. It's just, a, to me, it's about story and what story I want to tell. And this next one that I'm writing is going to be a fairy tale, but a prequel to a very well-known fairy tale. And then I also have a feature that I'm writing myself, which that particular one has to deal with the whole migrant situation. And I, I hope I, I can I can get everything to work out the way that I envision it for both of those. Well, in the meantime, before you know your your feature film, we are all looking forward to your prequel short about how Rapunzel fell into a vat of Rogaine. So we're very excited <laughs> about that. <laughs> I mean, who has hair that long anyway? I thank you for telling me all that. I was going to ask you what's next. So uh, thank you for, for filling that in. Where can people find you on social media, both you personally and Avert Your Eyes? And then go ahead and hit Alora Films Media one more time. Sure. My social media is kind of crazy, but the easiest way to like find me is to find the podcast. So if you go to AvertYourEyesPod.com, there will be links 
you know, at the bottom of the website to find us wherever podcasts are available. Um, I've had so many amazing guests from actors to musicians and what have you telling all sorts of their crazy stories. But in the about page, there's information so that you can follow the host on, you know, Instagram and Twitter and whatnot. All my stuff's on there for you to find. For the film Allura, you can find that on social at Allura Film, A-L-O-R-A Film, all one word on Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter. And uh, you can check out the trailer and see photos behind the scenes from the sets and from our travels on the road. (laughs) Well, kick ass. Michael Gibson Jr. from Avert Your Eyes podcast and the new short film, Allura. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to hang out and let us get to know you a little bit better on Fascination Street, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you so much for the opportunity. And you have a great rest of your weekend. You too. All right. Bye, buddy. Bye. As always, thanks for listening, Streetwalkers. And don't forget, follow the show on Twitter at FascinationSTPD, on Instagram at FascinationStreetPod. Follow the podcast page on Facebook at FascinationStreetPodcast. And of course, you can always email me at FascinationStreetPod at gmail.com. And if you haven't already, don't forget to hit the like and subscribe button and rate us on iTunes. Opening music is the song Magnolia from the 2014 album Intransigence. Used with permission from Douglas Miles Clark. Closing music is Apollo from the 2001 album Into the Known by the band Sapphire. Thanks for hanging out with us and getting to know a little bit about our guest. We'll see you next time on Fascination Street. As humans, we're naturally driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search. Match. With Indeed, when I was looking to hire someone, it was so slow and overwhelming. I wish I had used Indeed. If you need to hire, you need Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform, with over 350 million global monthly visitors according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. And Indeed doesn't just help you hire faster. 93% of employers agree Indeed delivers the highest quality matches compared to other job sites, according to a recent Indeed survey. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash podcast. That's Indeed.com slash podcast. Terms and conditions apply. Lucky Land Casino, asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car, before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.